Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. By the way, Moses penned the first five books of the Old Testament, and Numbers is one of them. Numbers 32, look at verse 11 with me. Numbers 32, verse 11. It says, None of the men who came up from Egypt from 20 years old and upward, 3211, shall see the land which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, for they did not, what? Follow me fully, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have followed the Lord fully. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness 40 years until the entire generation of those who had done evil in the sight of the Lord was destroyed. Only two men followed the Lord fully of that generation. Two And scholars believe that there was more than a million of them that left Egypt. And there was two men who followed the Lord fully. There's an old quote, it's bounced around the church for quite some time, that the world has yet to see what God can do through a man or a woman whose heart is fully sold out to God. And I realize even in my own life, being a pastor, studying the Bible, preaching the gospel regularly, that still my heart tends towards halfway obedience. It can be more comfortable there. It's it's a little easier to hang out in Haran sometimes than go into Canaan and face uncertain things and and one, one thing that we know about the land is that there were giants in the land, and it wasn't a difficult place for conquest. The fact is that the land that was promised to Abram already belonged to other people. He was going to have to watch this progress over time. And in fact, we know from the unfolding of the Bible that he never really realized even a parcel of land. He was just simply passing through. He lived in tents, which is a symbol of, of impermanence. The only thing that I think that he ever really owned was the uh, area of the tomb or the graveyard uh, for Sarah. It says of King Solomon, David's son, that he did not follow the Lord fully in 1 Kings 11.6, as David, his father, had done. That tells me, that David following the Lord fully did not mean that David didn't make mistakes. Get that out of your head right now. Because if you believe that following the Lord fully means you'll be sinless, you're wrong. That's never going to happen. You're going to make mistakes. But following the Lord fully is about your heart. It's about what you want to do to honor the Lord. And the way that Solomon got hung up is by the many women that he brought into his life. And he, in order to appease them, he built high places for them. And he dishonored God. 
And God was mad at Solomon. Even though Solomon asked for wisdom and was given wisdom, yet he made some huge blunders. And I just want to ask you a question. This is an application question. As you turn to Hebrews 11, turn to Hebrews 11. There's going to be a day when your, your walk with the Lord is going to be assessed. Not for salvation, but for a reward. And heaven's going to know how fully you followed. Amen? Everything's going to be open on that day. God knows. This is not about perfection, but this is about direction. This is about what kind of Christian do you want to be? A quarter of the way, halfway. What do you want to do? Do you want to walk into the promises or not? Do you want to be used by God in a major way or not? In Hebrews 11, it says, and by the way, the longest section in this great celebrated hall of faith, the longest section belongs to Abraham. Four times it says he did something by faith. It starts in Hebrews 11. It says, by faith, Abraham, Hebrews 11, 8, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. You can, guys, you can show that to your wife now. Just mark that verse. By faith, he lived as an alien or a pilgrim in the land of promise, as in a foreign land. He was a foreigner when he went in there. Dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. You see, Abraham wasn't just focused on Canaan. He was focused on something much greater, much more significant. Go back to Genesis chapter 12. Our culture tells us that we need to hunker down. We need to set up uh, characteristics of permanence. We need a home, maybe a second home. We need to plant our roots deep. And some of you who moved a lot as a kid, you know the value of that. My wife moved many times growing up because her uh, dad was uh, serving in the military and so she didn't know a whole lot of permanence. So now we've been in the same home for 20 years, and she really appreciates that, and she doesn't want to go anywhere. <laughs> and so we try to set up all this stuff about permanence, and we want to settle, and we, and we, we want to plan for retirement, and we want to, you know, we want to do all the right things, and, and that's totally understandable. But we're doing all that in a place where the one thing we know for sure is that it's impermanent. The message of the world is to set up your stuff and make sure you got it all together. And then Solomon in Ecclesiastes says, and then you're going to give it to somebody else when you die and you don't know what they're going to do with it. So you spend your life amassing wealth and amassing this and that. And the one thing that you know for sure is you're going to leave it for somebody else and then they're going to leave it to somebody else. 
And in some cases, people leave their stuff to the government because they don't do proper paperwork. Oops. And so we have all this drive, and, and we're doing this in a world where we know we're not going to last. Newsflash, nobody gets out alive. Nobody. One generation, when Christ returns, will not experience physical death. But look, that reality should cause us at least to understand that we don't put all our stock here. And Jesus said that very thing. He said, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but rather lay up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things that you worry about will be what? Added unto you. I'm not sure I really believe it. <laughs> and so the world's messages are, we've got to, have security, and, and, and we all understand that. But the Bible's message is this. If you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above. For Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. This is Colossians 3, 1 through 4. For you've died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, then or is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. You've got to be able to tell yourself, I'm simply passing through. The question is, where are you going? Do you know? You know, people make all these plans, but they don't plan for the longest stretch of time that most people say they believe in. Most people say they believe there's an afterlife, but they're not planning for it. They're just planning for the next 20 or 40 that they get here. But if eternity is that long, then it's way too long to be wrong about your soul. You don't want to play Russian roulette with your soul, folks. Don't do it. Jesus warned, he said, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Nothing's worth it. Not even if you gain the whole world would your soul be worth trading in. And so Abram, Genesis 12, 6, passed through the land. He was just simply passing through. You might want to just note that because that's kind of been the theme. Um, but let's go back for a second. Verse 5. Abram took Sarai, his wife, Genesis 12, 5, Lot, his nephew, all their possessions, which they had accumulated in the persons which they had acquired in Haran. Who are these persons? The Hebrew word is nefesh. It's literally translated souls. And there are some scholars do, that do not believe these are servants, but that they are souls that were one as proselytes as Abram shared his story about how God was working in his life. And those persons, and this is one view, may have joined the clan that was headed for Canaan. They heard the faith story, and he took others along with him. That's one possible view. 
And they set out for the land of Canaan, and thus they came to the land of Canaan. Canaan is the land of Israel, just in case you're wondering. And it was obviously realized uh, later through Jacob and his offspring. And Abram passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem to the oak of Moray. Now the Canaanite was in the land. So if you're Abram and you finally arrive in Canaan, you might have envisioned all that it would be. You know, maybe you envisioned that there would be certain things waiting for you. And then when you get there, what do you find? There's a bunch of people in there and nobody's smiling. You ever, you ever been to some places and you're like, does anybody smile here? Maybe they need to switch to caffeinated coffee. I don't know. Do they all switch to decaf? Is everybody having a bad day here? And I'm sure when Abram arrived with this entourage, maybe he had visions in his mind. How many of you have, you know, you've done something in your life and you've had this vision of what it's going to be and then you get there and you go, oh no. <laughs> this is not the way I envisioned this happening. And Abraham's, Abram's there, and the Canaanites there. And the Canaanites, were told from other scriptures, there were giants, there were some big dudes there. And he comes to the Oak of Moray. By the way, Moray means oracle, giver, or teacher. And the great tree of Moray was the place where the Canaanites assembled to hear oracles from their soothsayers. They said when the leaves rustled, like with the wind blowing the leaves, they received a message and they shared it with the Canaanite population. It was like the Canaanites assembled for their spiritual meetings at the Oak of Moray and the wind blew and the leaves rustled and the soothsayer spoke a word from the gods. And it is there that Abram goes. Almost to say, there's a new God in town. <laughs> so he went as far as the site of Shechem, the Oak of Moray, and there are the Canaanites. And I'm sure that there had to be some nervousness and some feelings of, hey, I wonder what's going to happen here. And Abram's certainly a foreigner in a land that God's told him he's going to own that's a weird feeling. Um, many years ago, when I uh, had met with a search committee and I was uh, asked to be the pastor of this church, which has moved and changed names and grown since then, this was back in the summer of 1998. Um, I was asked to be the pastor. I accepted the job. I was still working a full-time job. And the first thing that my wife and I went to was a I think it was a Thanksgiving potluck. They had a long table out, and they had all these people there. And my wife and I had only known one church in our whole Christian life. We had been there for 10 years. And now we were at this other church, and I was going to be the pastor, but nobody else knew except this pastoral search committee. So we went to this Thanksgiving potluck, and all these people were there, and they all had their little groups. And my wife and I walked in, and we were like, I wonder if anybody's going to say hi to us. This is weird. <laughs> and it was a weird feeling because I was about to become the pastor of the church, but I felt like a foreigner. 
and nobody really knew. And I think that sense may help us understand how Abram felt. It's like, God told me I'm going to have all this, but it's not realized, and people are looking at me sideways, and maybe there's even a sense that I feel like a bit of a grasshopper here. Um, One more time in Numbers 13, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers uh, 13.27. Show you one more thing here. 13.27. The spies are going to the land and they've been told to spy it out. Uh, Israel wants to walk into these promises of this promised land. This is when it's about to be fulfilled. But then there's another problem. Thus they told him, Numbers 13.27, and said, We went into the land where you sent us, and it certainly does flow with milk and honey, and this is the fruit. This is its fruit. Showed him some of the fruit. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Amalek is living in the land of the Negev, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites are living in the hill country, and the Canaanites are living by the sea, by the side of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people, one of the two men that had faith and fully followed God, before Moses, and he said, We should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we shall surely overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against this people, the people, for they are too strong for us. So they gave out the sons of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone in spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great size. These, there also, we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, are part of the Nephilim, and we became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. We were small in our sight and small in theirs. Then all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. They were boo-hooing. And all the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives, our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? You know how we create giants in our own minds sometimes? It's just awful. What's gone wrong? One thing, but you turn it into 15 things in your own mind. Oh, this, and then this will happen. I'm sure of it. And this. And you're like, has any of that happened? No, but wow. You know, they call worry like being in a rocking chair. You move around a lot, but you get absolutely nowhere. Just worry, 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 worry. What if, what if, what if, what if? You know, they've done surveys and they talk about how much of what we worry about actually comes to pass. It's a very small percentage. And the percentage of things that come to pass that we worry about, we can't control anyway. So the question is, why do we worry? (laughs) But we worry because it's just human to worry. And so 
They said to one another, let's appoint a leader and return to Egypt. <laughs> it looks like Moses is going to be replaced. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces. I would have been, I would have done something different, but man, these are godly guys. They fell on their faces in the presence of all the assembly of the congregation of the sons of Israel, and Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, of those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes in disgust. And they spoke to all the congregation of the sons of Israel, saying, the land which we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, verse 9. Do not fear the people of the land, for they shall be our prey. This is faith. Their protection has been removed from men, from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Some of you need to mark that tonight. Do not fear them. But all the congregations said to stone them with stones. We don't like those people. They're too spiritual. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tent of meeting to all the sons of Israel. See, the Lord appears at strategic times in history. And here's what happened. The Lord said to Moses, how long will this people spurn me? How long will they not believe in me despite all the signs which I have performed in their midst? And then once again, God says, I'm going to take them out and make a great nation of you. <laughs> There's another intercession moment here. I mean, imagine if you were God. How many things do I have to show you until you trust me? Back to Genesis 12, and we'll finish it up. So Abram's journeying, but it's not easy. And you get the call, and you get excited, and you respond to the call, and then you run into some giants, and then you start questioning the call, and God, and you. Did you get the right guy? Were we communicating clearly? Did I hear you right? Anybody been there before? Am I supposed to be here? There's giants in the land. There's no reception party. What should we do now? You know, the journey, a life of faith, is a life that's going to be stretched. You won't grow unless you are stretched. Can't get back to my slide. You will not grow unless you are stretched. But nobody likes to be on the rack. Amen? I'd like to be taller, but the rack still doesn't sound like much fun. But God stretches our faith. Why? to make us more usable, to help us walk into the promises. So look at verse 8, chapter 12. Then he proceeded from there to the mountain on the east of Bethel. He pitched his tent, Genesis 12, 8, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Here's Abram. Um, another critical moment in verse 7. I'm sorry, I skipped ahead for a second, but go back to verse 7. It says, The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him at a strategic time facing giants. The Lord appeared. 
He did that for Paul. He did that in other cases. He appeared and reiterated the promise, and God will do that for us at strategic times in our life. And then he moved on, and twice he built an altar. He built an altar in verse 7. He built an altar in verse 8. What's an altar? An altar is a place of worship. It's a place to call upon the name of the Lord, but it's also a place of remembrance. It's almost like Abram was marking the territory for God. We pray that the radio program here at Living Truth Radio is a blessing to you so you can be a blessing to others, so you can bless your local church, so you can serve with the gifts that you've been given, so you can be used in ministry. There's so many different ways that you can be a blessing. And you don't have to be overwhelmed with that. You can just take it a day at a time and say, Lord, I want to be a blessing today. I want to bless you with my life, and I want to bless others. And Abram did that by stepping out in faith, and God was the one who was going to bless him. Bless him to be a blessing. Now, as we look at the nation of Israel, we know that Abram's the beginning of the nation. You all have Isaac and then Jacob, and he's renamed into Israel. And the children of Israel certainly have gone through their share of pain and anguish. And yet, the world is going to be blessed through Israel. And you say, how? Well, because the Redeemer comes through Israel. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob leading to the 12 tribes, the tribe of Judah, and eventually to the Lion of the tribe of Judah, who arrives to take away our sins as the Lamb of God. And these broadcasts, folks, are about blessing you so that you can be a blessing, but they're also about making sure if you've not met Christ, you can meet him today. If you've not met the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that is the greatest blessing that you could ever have, is to know the living God. You might be saying, well, Pastor Michael, I've been listening for a while, and I haven't done that yet. I haven't entered into that relationship with the Lord. Look, Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it to the full. I would take that as saying that they would have a blessed life. And you can have that when you come to know Christ. Jesus Christ became a curse for us on the cross that we could be a blessed people. And the way you enter into that relationship is something like this. And I would just encourage you, if you're driving, you can even pray this. Just keep your eyes open. It's something like this. Lord Jesus, come into my life. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead. And I put my trust in you as my Lord and Savior. I repent of my sin. I turn away from doing it my way. And I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Please save me and give me a new start. Give me a new heart. Let me be a blessing to you and a blessing to others. Hey, if you've opened up your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ today, if this broadcast helped you to maybe even rededicate your life, or if it's just helped strengthen you in your walk, would you let us know? You can reach out to us at livingtruthradio.org. That's livingtruthradio.org. And in the message section, there's a way to leave us a message there. Just let us know who you are, on what station you listen, and if the program's been a blessing to you. And we pray that it has. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.